Am I falling into nothingness or flying into something so sublime? That's one of the questions at the center of Fun Home, the musical dramedy closing out Drama Shop's 2018-2019 season. I'm Nicole Lossie, and on this episode of Shop Talk, I'm talking with the creative team behind the production. So let's jump in. First, I mean, we all know each other sitting here, but can you all introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Zach Flock. I am Drama Shop's artistic director, and I'm the director of Fun Home. I'm Kate Thiem, and I am the music director for Fun Home. And I'm just Patrick. Constantly. <laughs> oh, just Patrick. we don't I'm know Patrick why he's here. <laughs> I, I just came in for a beer. Uh, no, I am the assistant director to Fun Home. Um, and also Fun Home, we probably mentioned it too, is um, we're fortunate to be sponsored by the Greater Erie Alliance for Equality. That's right. That is right. They were able to come see the show, a preview kind of early on, which was very nice. Do we? Do you always do that? Uh, if the sponsors want it and uh, <laughs> sponsor accordingly, then yes. <laughs> they are a great audience. It's a they fantastic really audience. Great. It was a great way to open the run, for sure. So, you know, for us, it's it's a question of, is, is a show the right fit for Drama Shop? So the musicals that we have done, we did Title of Show. That was our first musical, four-person ensemble. Um, we did Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, which doesn't require quite the finesse and scenery. It's it's a rock, almost a concert uh, mm-hmm. of a musical. And then we did Reefer Madness, which is just fun and mm-hmm. out there. And again, uh, probably not a show that other venues are necessarily going to touch. So for us, yeah, it's just a question of finding what's the right fit for Drama Shop. And, and as Pat said, you know, Fun Home, working in an intimate venue like Drama Shop, I think is, is a good, uh, good fit for us. Mm-hmm. Aside from the fit to our space, what drew you as the artistic director to wanting to do Fun Home? Yeah, so I mean, you know, when you're looking at contemporary theater, it's typically tackling contemporary issues, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we writers write and, and artists produce work in response to what's happening in the world. And so the, the issues that are prevalent in Fun Home, um, the LGBT issues in particular, um, are, are certainly issues that are relevant. Um, I'm also drawn to shows that kind of get to the core of humans and why we are the way we are. Um, and so the family dynamics that are explored in Fun Home, the, um, we see the growth of Allison from, from, I think, age nine to age 43, I think she says in her lyrics. Cool. And, and she's played by three different actresses in the show. And so seeing that particular uh, trajectory, I think, is an interesting one. So um, really a lot of just the, the storytelling and the, the artistic quality of it. As Pat said, it won the Tony for Best Musical. Um, a couple other Tonys, I think Best Score, Best Book, kind of you name it. Um, and it was the first um, Tony, it was the first Best Musical with an all-female creative team. The, the writers of the show, the, the composer, lyricist. Um, the first show that was an entirely female team. And so I think that's also worth celebrating and, and worth yeah. and presenting. And a lesbian protagonist. And a mm-hmm. lesbian protagonist. Mm-hmm. You don't see that very often. Well, it was the first one. Yeah. yeah. That's really the first one? Yep. That's well, kind of, I mean, I I'm think, not yes. shocked, but I, yeah. I wish I wasn't shocked. But Annie was, but she didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know until much later. Ooh, tomorrow, oh, tomorrow. Oh. oh. 
See, you talked about Annie and the ghost of it. <laughs> I was thinking Annie, Annie Oakley when you said Annie. I can, I can Annie see that. Your gun? Yep. Annie Oakley, I, I can, can see, see that. that. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> this is really bizarre. The lights are going on and off. This is I have bizarre. To, I don't know no, what will get edited We're just going to keep going. Keep, this is good out. stuff, man. And not to mention, right before we started recording this, I said, Zach, we're going to do this straight through so I don't have to do any editing. Yeah. Let's let's do it. This Perfect. seems like a great setup for a movie. We're sitting in the dark recording a podcast. <laughs> this, but... this is the found footage from a podcast. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what you're about to hear, it's an audio drama. Zach brought it up to me at first and it kinda of put the seed in my head and, and I I started to research the show and I think what really kind of hooked me was the final thing for me was I knew it was going to be a serious show. There's going to be a lot of heavy content. But mm-hmm. what really struck me was how funny it was mm-hmm. and charming and, and poignant. Mm-hmm. And and to have the balance of those two things really just, it makes it so bittersweet. And, and after watching some, some footage from the Broadway show and the tour, it was a no-brainer that I had to, had to do this. The music's so beautiful. It's so simple, but you find the that the composer has written themes for every character and, and there's themes even for the family and, and for what I believe, what we found in our in our experience with it, themes for moving on, themes for mm-hmm. for the passage of time. And, and it's just really neat to kind of dive in and dissect all of that and how, how what the composer did, how that lends itself to the acting on stage. So it's, it's, been, it's been a great, great couple of months with it. Yeah. Now, for me, I, I'm drawn very much to intelligence. And in, in reading the script and, and looking at it, the, at first blush, it, it's a really smart piece. And some of the things that they, they're able to accomplish in this piece very simply are intelligent. And then you sit down with the script and you start looking at some of the things in the script that, that, that have been written um, and how they tie together and how... You have a story that really doesn't have an antagonist. You, have, you really you have protagonists, but and everybody's likable. There's not a single person on stage that's not that's not liked. You like everybody on that stage, different degrees for each character. Well, but and you I think, like everybody. Not to cut you off, but to build off of that, I, not only likable, but they're understandable. They're right. relatable. Mm-hmm. You know, you might see their faults, but you understand right. why they have those faults. Right. You know, I, I'm thinking particularly of Helen, played played by Gretchen Kerr, um, who is the mother who's had to deal with a really difficult life. And oh. and so you understand her frustration and her, um, you know, everything she's going through. It's, and it's, we have had audiences that have come afterwards and said, I could relate to X, yeah, Y, Z. Yeah. That situation happened to me. I heard these fights. I, It's very relatable. Everybody's yeah. very, very relatable. So when I sat down and really looked at it, um, Kate said that something she was looking at. I, w- I wanted to be in it. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I wanted to do it. I wanted to be in it. And it was my decision to not cast him. <laughs> <laughs> and well, and then so I, I auditioned, but I told Zach, like, I, I want to be involved mm-hmm. one way or another. And if you can't use me on stage, then you find a way to use me off stage. And, and luckily, I'm very lucky and very happy that it worked out the way it did. And I'm very happy the way the casting all completely worked out because I think that Zach made the right choice Every way, shape, and form. You weren't even cast as the tree. We which actually is, have a tree. Which yeah. is why I thought it was perfect, because I it is not a role <laughs> that I am born to play. What does casting a show like Fun Home 
<laughs> what does that process look like? I mean, did you have, was it a hard decision? Was it, I mean, how so that? there's a lot of running on the beach. There's <laughs> a lot of heavy lifting. So, I mean, I will, you know, full disclosure, I'll start off by saying we don't typically get a huge amount of people to audition for our shows. We're a smaller company. You know, we're still in our early stages and growing as an organization. So, you know, I will say we didn't have a line of like 100 people around the block, American Idol style, clamoring to get in. But there was no equity call. Yes, there was no equity call. Uh, We're looking for volunteers only. But I will say we had really great turnout, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And and Kate and I were were the ones in the room, I guess you would say, um, as people were coming in to audition. And I I don't think there was a lot of debating or a lot of deliberating in, in many regards. I think in a lot of ways... Someone would come in and, and they'd perform a song and they'd do a reading for us and they'd walk out and Kate and I would look at each other and in many respects we would know that person is, yeah. is so right for that part. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that makes the job so much easier. Yeah. Because then you're not antagonizing over, oh my gosh, agonizing over, you know, who... Yeah. Who are we going to pick between this person, this person, or but, this but person can do this? or To go further with that, though, and... and Fun home aside, when you do a show like this, mm-hmm. you're not only casting a person in a role, but you've got to you've got to look how they look on stage with somebody with else, other right? Yes. Right. Yeah. And and I will say too, on the flip side of that, there were also some really talented folks who we had to say no to, mm-hmm. and that's you know the hard reality of doing this sort of thing. And Pat, I'm looking at you. You're one <laughs> of them. I mean, you absolutely could have played the part in this show, and so and there were others like you who absolutely could have done this show but you know it's a nine person show mm-hmm. we're limited and you're not to, double casting right not so, double yeah. casting there's no chorus no ensemble so you're either in one of those nine roles or you're not um and so it, it was you know in that respect it was difficult mm-hmm. but you know i think the cast we we settled upon oh. are there because they absolutely earned their spot in the cast and they're absolutely the right fit together and the right fit for this material Mm -hmm. and that's part of it too is you have some performers who are outstanding but fun home is just not the right fit for them Mm -hmm. right this was a really unique audition process simply because in many many musicals that you do you often have to ask people i need you to sing this measure of this song to prove that you can do this part because there are there are you need to have the vocal chops for it. In this show, I feel like that wasn't even a concern because I, a, a, after watching it a couple times, it, the story just is is the main focus here. Not that the music isn't beautiful or isn't challenging, but we, it doesn't we, require an operatic voice. It doesn't require no, yeah. yeah it, and not to say that the people that are singing aren't great. They're amazing, mm-hmm. right? But the the acting was. But you, acting you're right. exactly right. I I personally mm-hmm. was looking for actors who could sing and mm-hmm. not. I wasn't thinking about act. like, oh my god, can they belt this or can yeah. they, this is a mixed voice or this is a head voice or you know. Or like, can they do this choreography? Or their tone is this. Yeah, it wasn't even. <laughs> there's that. not a lot of that going there's on. There's not a ton of choreography, and the choreography that's there, I would say, is choreographed to fit the abilities of the actors in the parts. Yeah. Well, this is a unique one too, where three of probably the characters who need to gel the most are not even three separate characters but are three actors playing the same character at various points in her life yeah i think that was one of that was one of our biggest challenges i'll say that for for zach and i in the beginning was we had three actresses 
that we that the Zach cast that came in and gave us three outstanding mm-hmm. interpretations of the character, and then it was Zach's job and my job to try to find the commonality and try to weave mm-hmm. something through those characters. Yeah, I think it was less in the casting. You're exactly right. It was less in the casting and more in the in the directing and in the rehearsing of it, where we tried to find um, similar character traits similar mannerisms but also we we kind of accepted the reality that we're looking at three people at three different or one person at three different stages of life Mm -hmm. and so you know she starts off small allison really confident and really um outspoken and bold and then when she's in college and she's starting to to wrestle with her own identity she's a little more reserved and and at times a little bit manic and then when she settles into the adult who kind of serves as the the narrator or the through line of the show, um, she is the sum total of all of that life experience. So, you know, in they are still three different characters while being one character at the same time. That's really interesting. Yeah. Just like anybody's life would be. Different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Different, you're yeah. a different person, different parts of your life. And you're right, you have to, you have to show how a part of the youngest still is present in the oldest. Right. But s- still changes throughout. And that is almost entirely on the actors and it's almost entirely on their physicality i mean yeah. it's not yes there are similar things in their dialogue and certainly some similar refrains in the music but generally speaking it was up to those three to work on their physicality to watch each other and see you know oh okay megan's putting her hands in her pockets when she's That's shy the so then julie puts her hands in her pockets when she's reliving that moment you know little things like that that you know in many ways came from those three actors and then pat and i reaffirming yeah that was a great choice keep that or Mm -hmm. you know build on that kind of a thing that's not something that you can necessarily direct either it just kind of comes right up in the process and that's great because it's it's natural that's how our young allison would be yeah and And it was translates it was literally things like saying to uh, megan and to anna who plays medium allison okay, when Julie performs this number tonight in rehearsal, I want you two to sit in the front and watch her. And I didn't say watch her and copy every movement. Mm-hmm. Just, Just watch, watch so her, know. see what she does. And then the next night in rehearsal, we saw both of them incorporating some of Julie's mannerisms into their performance. So one of the things, talking about the three of them, that they... Or, or her, the one that, that <laughs> the she struggles one. The yes. collective one, yeah. the Allison, that she kind of uh, explores, I don't want to say struggles with, but maybe explores throughout is, is her sexuality. Yes. Yeah. And she's not the only character in the show that, you know, has that kind of, of journey that we see a little bit of. Um, the tree does as well. The tree does yeah. also. Um, so LGBTQ plus <laughs> issues. Um, and this is Pride Month. Yeah. Also. Yeah. So was that intentional? So I won't say that it was unintentional. Um, <laughs> Wait, is that a double negative? That is a double negative. I won't okay, all right. say which is proof that it positive. Is not... You've given yourself away. That's right, <laughs> clue fans. <laughs> We've gotten it, clue fans. Um, no, so I mean, the past few seasons we've ended our season with a show in June, mm-hmm. um, and so yes, when we were slating our shows for this current season, we did know okay we'd be putting something on during Pride Month. And, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily that we said, okay, Fun Home should be done during Pride Month. I think doing it at any point in our season would have made sense. But it did kind of seem like, yeah, that makes it an added 
uh, a doubly good reason to mm-hmm. end our season mm-hmm. with it. Um, but I will say in a larger sense, um, you know, we're doing contemporary theater and we kind of touched on this already. Contemporary theater deals with contemporary issues. And so, you know, it's it's natural that LGBT issues are going to pop mm-hmm. up in the course of doing contemporary works. And in fact, this is the, the really third show that we've done, fourth show that we've done this season, that in some way uh, dealt with LGBT issues. Laramie Project, mm-hmm. uh, Here, which deals with a, a transgender character, and uh, Bright Room, which deals with a, a character who's homosexual in pre-World War II Germany. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, LGBT issues are one of the many contemporary issues that, that are naturally going to come up in the works that we do right now. The little kids, the young kids, the young actors. Sure. How amazing they are. They really are amazing. It was, it was difficult to find our three. Now, did they all, and we don't have to talk about this if this isn't, but did, did they all audition? Or was this, did we, did we find, did we you go know what, they search? did. They, they did, did all audition. But I mean, like, we, we put out feelers before because, you know, of the sensitive matters sure. in the show. And, and, you know, some kids that are, that are, that are young are just not ma- matured enough to handle it. Mm-hmm. And and What's portray it on stage you know. and be comfortable with that. And not only that, but we, we had reached out to a number of, of young actors that we knew whose parents were unwilling to yeah. take that risk. They, mm-hmm. they read, they took a look at the show and just said, I don't think they're, they're ready for it yet. And that's Whether totally that fine. Whether that was on the parents or the children, that's their decision. But, yeah. you know, we made sure that we said, I would like you to look into this first before you say you're going to come audition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I, you know, a lot of the kids I asked were students of mine, and I have to be very careful about walking a line of, you know, this is during school and this is not during school. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, two of my students came, and one that is not my student came and they all auditioned and they've been they've been great there hasn't been a moment that i think any anybody's felt awkward having yeah. younger people in the room in fact they've added to the mm-hmm. the conversation but let's be yeah. real we were all theater kids at one point yeah. right and yeah. so i do we think not to pat myself on the back theater kids are a different breed you know i'm just gonna say that i think what what they i think they tend to be ready to handle mature subject matter a little sooner. I think that they, especially these three kids, have um, work ethic mm-hmm. that comes from, you know, surviving tech week of your high school musical a couple of years or your middle school musical. Um, not that I'm sure your tech weeks are difficult. I'm a task I'm sure you are a breeze. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but no, so I mean, I, I don't often work with, with child actors and I will say I didn't feel like I was. I mean, mm-hmm. other than maybe I watched my choice of language a little more <laughs> vigilantly than I might in other rehearsals. Um, no, I think the three of them have, have really approached this with the level of commitment and responsibility that I, frankly, would love to see from all actors. Right. So I think it's been so healthy, even for the adults, too, because, you know, in our attempts to let the kids loosen up and we'll have them do, like, dance parties before the show starts just, just to get them to, to be kids. You yeah. Know? They're so aware of what they need to do on stage. They just need to loosen up and be themselves. And I think in the process, the adults have done that, it too. reminds us to loosen up. Yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. good because totally. they all have to do that together on stage. Totally. And, and it's been great for both parties. I would, I'll, I'll add a little footnote to that, too, and kind of get back to some of the other people in the cast. We had a conversation with Gretchen, who plays the, the mother, Helen, um, and she was talking about her relationship with Ken, who's playing mm-hmm. Bruce, the, the, the husband. 
and the comments that came out were really interesting in that off stage Bruce is kind of to himself Ken Ken is to yeah. himself he doesn't really engage in conversation with the with kids he doesn't really engage with with the woman who plays Helen the mother he's kind of on his own and Gretchen was saying like she's not a method actor but that really has kind of added because they don't there's no closeness backstage with Ken and everybody else I, I, I and I I know Ken well enough that I believe that was that's all on purpose as well sure sure yeah that's interesting but it, it is it's in it, it, you know and, and now after having that conversation and looking and watching the interactions she's absolutely right hmm. Ken does kind of keep to himself yeah which I wonder if that was a choice or if that came about because of the experience right, which with the character first. yeah which came first well yeah I mean that's that's a good point like Carrying the weight of that character with you, even if only for those 90 to 100 minutes that you're performing the show, I mean, I can't imagine when you're off stage that you, you know, you, it stays with you. Mm. You can't just right. step off the stage and have that go away. Absolutely. So, Ken, I hope you're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> somebody, it's somebody a cry for help. Yeah, if you need anything, let me know. Well, and then let me re- restate again that I think he's phenomenal. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. Ken is phenomenal. I think everybody's phenomenal. But I think Ken um, really understands the role, really understands what he's doing with Bruce and the relationships that he has to forge with everybody on that stage. Yeah. And it's completely different with everybody. And I think he, he gets it. And he's, he has gotten it from day one. Right. He's totally understood it. And he has one of my favorite moments musically. And that's the song um, Edges of the World. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the song has two drastic feelings to it. There's this feeling of things aren't right, and, and I have to get things done, and I ha- I'm, I'm, I'm neurotic, I'm anxious, and then this real calm section where everything feels warm, and it's, I love that transition from, from the neurotic first opening part to the calming down, and that's, that's this character. Right, and I, I was going to say, really from the beginning, his character has that sort of, you know, I don't want to diagnose him, but that almost bipolar kind of, uh, energy mm-hmm. to him where he is kind of turning on a dime between those two emotions and yeah you see that throughout the show but then you're right in that oh. number it's really like you know flip of a switch one to the other and it's really not the score overall is not terribly difficult on a technical level but I think that's what intrigues me the most about it because just the chords they pick yeah. Just so luscious, and and you're going, oh my god, how did you know how to pick this chord? This is the perfect chord for this this part to convey this emotion, and that's why it's great. Yeah. I, it's funny now because knowing that it's Janine Tesori, uh huh, who did Millie, right? But that's what I hear, I right? What I hear more of, which is, it's a you won't ever think this is Shrek. Really, she did Shrek. She did. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and now that I'm thinking, like, oh, I, I do pick up some Shreks. Shrekisms in the music, <laughs> yeah. very subtly. Not enough to make me think of a green ogre at any point, but <laughs> enough for me to go, okay, I, I hear her style. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, we're out of space. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> we've got nine people in the cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got seven people in the pit. Eight, 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 seven, eight people, eight, seven, seven, seven and a half. Seven and a half. Just go with average. Um, We've got five people on run crew moving things during the course of the show, which in a drama shop show is is practically unheard Mm -hmm. of. We've got two people in the booth running lights and sound. And 
you have no wing space to put anything. And we've got no wing space. So literally all the furniture, all the, not all the props necessarily, but everything you see on stage is on stage the entire show. Um, when it was done on Broadway, they had the advantage of having things rise from the floor <laughs> or, you know, that kind of thing. Obviously, we don't have that here, short of, uh, you know, investing in Isaac Baker's space downstairs. <laughs> um, that's not going to happen. Maybe they'll so, to the next run. So for us, it's it's things like, you know, the a scene is playing in the foreground and a scene change is happening directly behind them. We're not hiding it. You see the crew come on stage. Um, and for me, it became a question of, Okay, how do we incorporate that? How do we make those scene changes feel like a part of the show and not an interruption of the show? And so, you know, I think the way I tried to stage the show in general um, is to to give it a very fluid kind of feeling that it moves from one, kind of shifts from one place to the next. And that came out of necessity. I mean, the script literally is not broken down into scenes. It, it's written as though it's one big scene. And it'll mm-hmm. say shift to Allison's dorm room. Not a scene oh, change. Yeah. It's not a stop and start. That's um, interesting. I hadn't seen the script, so that's Yeah, and so so it really, you know, I, I want to honor that, and I don't want it to have scene changes. I don't want it to stop. I don't want the momentum to, to stop. Um, so then, you know, that's where having the crew moving things on stage left while a scene is playing stage right, and the lights are up stage right, and then they shift stage left. I mean, for me... Um, <laughs> presented a lot of design challenges, but mm-hmm. I think that was the way that we were able to, to do that in our space. And I, I want to I also state that what you're saying is great, but for those of you who don't know the space, stage right and stage left are 10 feet away yeah, from each other. Yeah, it's a 20, 22-foot wide stage. So, yeah. <laughs> so you're talking about setting up things while someone's almost right next to them setting something up. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I just don't want people to have the wrong idea that, oh, yeah, they are yeah. on one side of the stage sure. and the other person's on the other side of the stage. Right, and that's why I say we didn't make an attempt to really mask it, because mm-hmm. even even with, with lighting being off on that side of the stage, it bleeds from the other side sure. of the stage. and the sound and everything else. Yeah, so you see and hear the scene changes, and, and you just kind of have to lean but, into it. But somehow it, it works. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I think that we, through Tech Week, yeah. was one of the things that we were able to kind of get down even better and better every night. Right. Was being able to say, you can oh, start sure. this earlier, you can start this later, okay. Add you know, some music you're, here. You're going to be seen, that's fine, don't worry about it, right. don't panic, you right. know. Yeah, and, and I also approached, you know, literally from the time I start blocking a show, because I, I do kind of consider myself to be a director slash designer, as I'm blocking, I am thinking through, how am I going to light this <laughs> so that, you know, I know I'm going to have Medium Allison downstage left for this phone call. I'm going to just isolate light on her so that the living room can be set up behind her while that's happening. Mm-hmm. So, um you know, I've been doing this for eight years now, so those are things that maybe in season one I wouldn't have thought of. But um, being this far in, I know now that if I don't address that problem when I'm blocking it, gonna it's going to come back it. to bite me in tech week, so I'm not, the sooner I can figure that out, the better. I mean, I think figuring out how to how to get all the stuff on stage. I mean, there's a living room, there's a coffin, there's a door. <laughs> there is a coffin. There is a coffin. There is a coffin. <laughs> yeah, a real yeah. live coffin. Um, and a tree. And a and tree. Did we mention the tree? <laughs> and yes, so absolutely. I think the biggest challenge was just from a logistical standpoint was figuring out how to make all that stuff 
appear when it needs to and go away and literally where do we keep it when it's not mm-hmm. seen. Um, but certainly I think the, the bigger challenge definitely fell to the cast um, to, to embody these characters and to bring this material to life. So I think anything that, that we did uh, was in service of what they were doing. You know, I don't I feel like we were prescribing to them, here's how to do this show. Um, and that tends to be the way I approach shows in general, is I'm a, I'm a collaborator. Um, <laughs> right, Kate? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, so... nice shared glance. Listen, my way of collaborating is in my bathroom on the floor. Not at <laughs> rehearsal. Taking a nap. Not at rehearsal. Not at rehearsal. Just want to say. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, for me, it was about, you know, empower the cast to do the work that, that they are doing and, and guide them with a gentle hand rather than a heavy hand and help shape their performances, but not dictate performances to them. I think that's how you both, like Kate, I think that's how you approach things musically. And Oh, yeah. Heavens, yes. I mean, there there's a technical aspect of singing that you think, okay, if you're not singing this, it's not coming out right. Let's talk about why. Let's talk about the reasons behind it. How's your breath? You know, what what's the shape of your mouth? But I often find that if you clear up the acting... The singing clears up too. Yeah. Funny how that works. Yeah, right. And I, I don't think I had to give really any. I mean, we told the kids a few times to brighten up their sound, just just so that they they stay truer to the ages they're trying to portray. I think our oldest kid is fourteen, mm-hmm. going into ninth grade, and she's playing a nine year old. Right. So we were right. very cognizant of okay, you know, you sound great. Can we make you sound a little younger? Um, placing the sound a little bit more forward, having brighter vowels and. And that's, that's what I'm talking about technically. But then in terms of musicality, everybody's great. Yeah. And Pat, I think one thing that I, I kind of leaned on you for is um, I think you have a lot more vocal performance experience than I do. So one of my struggles with directing a musical is staging musical numbers and not overstaging them. Mm-hmm. Um, wanting to, to kind of stay true to the the reality of the moment to the motivation of the characters and i think that's that was one way that you were really helpful in the process was to to look at those numbers and you know if i had given too much movement or you know to have that second set of eyes to know how to make a musical yeah you know you you say these things about yourself but really all that out there is is still all you even all the movement is still all you i don't know and it was really good it was it's all really good it all really works well well that's why i I said that was i was just setting you up (laughs) no i think i think you know i think he directed i i i have i have years and years of 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 acting performance but i've only assistant directed a handful of shows i have never directed my own show and i kind of we talked about that zach and i talked about going in excuse me i do not have any aspirations in this production to take over the leads and to to push my way in and do like that i you know i wanted to work with zach and and i still want to work with zach in the future um and so i I wanted to add the extra eyes to see because because of of the performing that i've done in musicals to maybe add add a little bit to that um but i think that zach and i have have worked well together and 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 have worked on a lot of issues and 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 this piece is just so meaty yeah, and so I, meaty to deal with. Stuff I think like at this. the end of the day, I really didn't approach it all that differently than I approached the plays that I've directed. Nor so you. at this point, I think I've directed. I think this is my fourteenth show that I've directed for Drama Shop, and only two of those have been musicals. But I mean, in in most ways, this 
this is a play. Mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. it it has some really beautiful music, and I don't mean to take away from that, but in terms of character development, in terms of arcs, in terms of structure, to me, it doesn't feel all that different from most and we've, of the we've plays talked about that. Or we yeah. talked about that already, but truly, this is an acting piece where there's music yeah. where pe- that people sing it. Yeah. I think there was one time Gretchen asked me a question about a part in her song, which is one of my favorite parts of the show, Days and Days and Days. And she which said she just crushes. She nails crushes. It. And she does it differently every night. Yeah. Which I hate her for because I don't know what to look out for, so I don't cry. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm not playing in that song, so I'm just full on ready to just get real emotional, right? <laughs> I can't listen to the words anymore. Uh, no. I'm not doing anything the entire anymore. show. I don't play in that song, and I don't emotion. play in. There, there's two that are the maps. That are both the really yeah. good, like, yeah. just, like, they're Maybe. talking about their lives and everything, and I'm just, like, I'm fully open to just be sad. This is where I'll cry now. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. There, was a, moment. there was a moment in her song where she came to me and said, well, well I, am I singing this right? Am I in the right register? And, and I said, honestly, Gretchen, I don't mind if you crack. Like, I don't mind if it right? sounds guttural. I don't mind if it sounds emotional because you should be mm-hmm. at that point. It's not about being pretty. I'm not listening right. to hear if it's placed perfectly or if the vowel's correct or the tone or whatever. I'm, I'm... I'm just an observer at that point, and I'm hoping you convey the message more than have the perfect placement. Yeah, so and that number is a good example, too, of one where, you know, when I had first blocked it, I put in a little more than was necessary. And Gretchen, Gretchen. said, you know, hey, could I try not moving at this part or standing over here instead? And, you know, my thing is, yeah, try it, right? Like, mm-hmm. especially in rehearsal, like, try anything. And, and so she tried it differently, and, and it worked so much better because it was true to her character and true to what she was feeling in that moment. He so, was having her do a kick line, which was really Yeah, good. I guess. I, <laughs> no, yeah. No, but just, you know, uh, to me, I don't want a number to feel too static, and that's mm-hmm. always my concern is if I just right. kind of plant you and say sing. But you're right, Gretchen is so expressive mm-hmm. and, and just owns that song that literally she we could did. turn off the lights and she could sing that on a dark stage and it would be, and we might if the power goes yeah. out, and it would be just as moving mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she sells that song. Oh, she I can't does. see her face. That's how I totally agree with you because I don't see her face at all right. during the show right. where the pit is sunk into the back of the stage and there's still, I'm getting just as much out of it yeah. mm-hmm. as the audience is in yeah. that performance. There's a good question for you as a director because you know the space to be small and the people are right there. Would you have blocked the show differently in a bigger space? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would have lit the show differently in a different space, too. Because one of the things that I love to do and not... Some some very uh, traditional theater goers um, occasionally call me out on this. I like to play with light and dark. And I like yeah. to play with shadows. And you can't get away with that as much in a 500-seat proscenium space. Um, so that would be different. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. For sure. There, there are also moments where we deliberately create distance between the audience and the performers for some of the moments that might make the audience a little too uncomfortable. Mm, um, there's a particularly a moment with Bruce and Roy um, that Roy is, I guess, just 18 and is a former student of Bruce's, and Bruce is basically giving him alcohol and, and trying to start a relationship Soften. or an encounter with him. Um, so I deliberately put that literally as far upstage behind the pit mm-hmm. uh, They're on the as Erie possible. Bayfront. They're yeah, way down. They're, they're, they're actually down. over at the Playhouse. Yeah. And we, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, that, but, and that works well. Mm-hmm. And there, that also, that scene's really interesting because there's 
there's children in the front of the stage watching TV. Right. It's yeah. a scene about, you know, what else is going on in the house in the while house. that moment is happening. So I staged it in this space in a way where we, the audience, are not in that room with them. Right. We're in the living room and we know that that's we know maybe a little more than the kids know. But we also know what Helen probably knows right. is she that totally there's knows. something going on in that other room. Right. Yeah. It's happening. I, I'm not even watching it. It's happening behind me. I still get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Just hearing it. Sure. Yeah. So there are definitely moments where I chose to move things further away from the audience. And then there are other moments where. I don't know that I necessarily would have staged them differently, but where I take advantage of the fact that the audience is about five feet away by having the actors all the way up front. I really hope the people that are listening to this understand the weight of the show and understand the intelligence of the show. And just the conversations that we're having about the decisions that have to be made how and how that just really, to me, talks about how good this piece is. Mm-hmm. Uh, just all, all on its own, this piece is just fantastic. It's very well well written, and um, it, it. Yeah, I mean, we couldn't we couldn't do any of this if the if the source material wasn't as incredible as it is. I mean, so and that's you know you and I talked before Pat about how you know I I hope people come and love the show, and I think a lot of people are going to come and love the show, and that's probably got very little to do with anything I've done. And that's fine yeah. because that's how good this material is, yeah. right? And that's also how good this cast and crew yes. and this pit is. Yes. Um, and I also think the fact that the material is this good is how we ended up with a cast and crew and pit that's mm. that's this good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you agree know? with that too. How many new people do we have? Oh, uh, um, sorry, I didn't see. mean to put you in the spot. No, I, I think I think we have six new that's actors true. in the cast and that's only amazing. three returning actors. Um, and I mean, you don't even have pits normally, so this right. Is mostly... Yeah, I think I think all of the musicians. No, Bob Martin played for us before, okay. um, but I think the other musicians are all first timers at drama. And then shop even the people well. that auditioned and didn't get a role, there were a lot of Several... people that have never done a, a drama shop show. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and a couple ended up in crew. Right. So yeah. seen it on Broadway Um, but I do my best when I'm directing to erase (laughs) any memory of it I think what what did impact me from the Broadway performance was the um, the free-flowing kind of feel of it Um, but again I think that's in the script so I don't think I stole that per se but I think just the the economy of it, the the telling the story with as little as possible, focusing on the story, letting the characters be the heart of the story. Um, but I think that's also not just a product of seeing the Broadway show. I think that's a product of my Gannon Schuster Theater education, mm-hmm. which you share with me. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of let the story be the thing. The thing that I always say in Green Room before the show is remember the work we have to do and the story we have to tell. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's that is my guiding principle as a director: is what is the story we have to tell? That's the thing. So yeah, I don't think the Broadway show necessarily was a big impact on me. Mm-hmm. Like I said, if anything, I think it was let me 
hit the delete button on those memories mm. and and come into this fresh and let's put on drama shops fun home mm-hmm. did either of you know the show coming into it i had seen a some footage on youtube of it that was really my only i knew ring of keys from the tonys yes mm-hmm. and oh after the tonys that, that was young stuck in my head it. for yeah. months <laughs> and i had i had been aware of it but i don't i don't think i really gave it a good listen until zach mentioned it mm-hmm. um so, yeah. I should also give credit to um, the graphic novel as a source yeah. of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what started the entire fun home journey for the Broadway show as well, was Alison Bechtel's graphic novel. I don't know if we said that this is an autobiographical show. I mean, Alison Bechtel, this is her life experience. Which is pretty amazing. She uh, uh, did a comic strip for years and then produced a graphic novel called Fun Home, where she tells this story. And um, Anna McJunkin, who's one of our cast members, helped out with um, kind of coming up with a costume plot as well. That's and cool. she did look to the graphic novel as a source of inspiration for costumes. Not only that, but Gretchen has read both, yeah. both novels. And so, and, and I believe uh, Julie, who plays old, uh, old Allison, has, is in the process of reading the second yeah. one. I know she finished the first one. So then, then that goes back to the dedication of the actors that you have put in the place, that right. they have done their homework. Mm-hmm. So I will say any similarities to Broadway are probably more rooted in the graphic novel than, than in the Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't know anything about the show. I didn't know anything about it. And then uh, Kate told me about it. We started listening to music. And I think I watched a couple clips on YouTube just to get an idea um, but then the, reading the script three or four times, you fall in love. You fall in love with it. Yeah. You just fall in love mm-hmm. with the character. So you don't. <laughs> I don't need any other inspiration. I, it's all. There, it's all very easily right there. And the fact that the space we're performing in is so different than doing it in the round at Circle in the Square. You know, even if I wanted to try to stage it like the Broadway show, mm-hmm. I couldn't because we're just not staging it in that kind of a space. Yeah, and I believe they had the ability to keep their home with all the antiques up they didn't have to tear it down it would literally drop into the floor right. and come back up so would the actors just fall <laughs> just fall right into the floor <laughs> yeah um i kind of have a two-parter based on that a little bit so going into the show what were you most looking forward to whether it was a part of the show to block or a song to, to teach or could be crying I wanted, to be, I wanted to be the father <laughs> i was <laughs> looking forward then, to that did now that we are in the run did that turn out to be your Good favorite question. thing, or has it turned into something else? Good so question. start before and work your way through. Whoever wants to start, hmm. I'll start. Um, yeah, the, oh boy, yeah, that's a really great question. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there's 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 an understanding to a script when you first read it. There's an understanding of the characters when you first read it, and this show has taught me more than anything is that that process evolves. And so I'll take Medium Allison, uh, Anna. Anna comes in and, and, and does the, her first scene, and she plays it the way that she thinks it needs to be played, and I agree with it, and she plays it kind of harsh and kind of angry. And we go through two weeks of rehearsal, and you start, as you listen to the script over and over again and over and over again, you start thinking, wait a minute, no, wait, Medium Allison's not angry in the scene. Wait a minute, no, she's not bitter and angry. She's not, no, 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 no. And then you, you, you tweak it and you say to her, like, hey, let's try this where you're not angry in the scene. Let's just, you know, you're actually genuinely happy. And all of a sudden, the switch 
flips and like it oh it reads so differently and oh wow what I thought I understood about what was going on is not what I understood what was going on there was stuff like that so it, you know I had I thought I had a good understanding of each scene going into it but then working with these actors and working with Zach you, everything changes everything modifies and what, what you understand gets deeper and deeper and deeper and that that's the one thing that I took away from this this is going to sound weird but I was really looking forward to the casting. I was really That's one of my favorite parts. Somebody so I get that. would come along that would really embody small Allison and medium Allison and, and adult Allison because I, I just get you get the sense from the show you you really end up caring about the welfare of all of them. Mm-hmm. Every single person in the show. You want to take care of them. And so you want to find the right person. So I remember looking forward to, to seeing who was gonna come out and, and hoping that they would be just perfect for it. As as only you can envision in your head. Like I hope I hope to find this in an Allison or this in a Bruce. And um, I, I it's been really, really neat to see from the first audition till till now how they've evolved and how they've made it their own and have discovered the new parts to their characters and have lived up to what we thought we would see it just in auditions, you know. And then along with that having the songs that before they we even had the actors made me cry mm-hmm. and and getting to the point now where it's like okay I've, I've heard this 10 million times I'm, I'm good I'm numb and I'm not mm-hmm. because there's still new things that they're doing with the songs that I thought I'd be a wreck on and I still am and you discovered new tiny bits oh my gosh didn't you just say the other Every night day. in the green room you were like Every I day. just discovered this replays here and mm-hmm. it ties this together yeah and that's a really amazing score that can show you new things all the time. Yeah. It's like playing Where's Waldo. <laughs> Finding Waldos all the time. Like, oh my God, there's one too. And there's this. They did this here. And they, they brought back this theme in this moment. And what a weird, what a nice weird thing to do to bring that back and, and to mirror it. And really yeah. Cool. Nice. I can't talk. I'll cry again. So. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess I've been living with the reality of us doing this show for more than a year. I mean, we announced it about a year ago this time. But really, it had been, you know, internally, it was a show that we were looking at for probably four months or so before that. So for me, this is a really long time coming. Um, and I guess as, as Drama Shop's artistic director, I'm always just looking at, can we do this? Oh, God, I hope we can do this. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we're picking shows that we think we can do. We're not setting ourselves up to but fail. But there's still that element. But of, yeah, and yeah. I mean, we're picking shows that are going to challenge us, that we're going to grow as a company. We're going to learn something. We're going to grow as artists. Our performers are going to grow as artists. So, you know, for me, I think the thing that I was most excited about was just that challenge of kind of stepping up and, and taking Drama Shop to another level, raising the bar a little bit higher, which frankly, I think this season, every production we've done has inched that bar up a little bit higher in another way. So for me, it's been a, you know, here's the challenge. Will we rise to that challenge? And I mean, not to pat myself on the back because it's certainly not squarely on on my shoulders, but on the shoulders of all of those many people we, we named, it's a really fantastic production and I could not be more proud of the work that everyone is putting into this show night after night, week after week. I think that stems from your love of it though because I feel like that kind of emotion, that kind of passion for a show draws like-minded people in and draws the right people in from the actors to the 
pit to the stage crew to the light board to soundboard they they all kind of vibe with that yeah and I, I mean especially i feel like with some of the members of the pit like they the minute they heard that we were doing this it's like yeah i'm on i'm mm-hmm. on board right right and in, in, in being an artistic director and picking something that you know is going to challenge you and, and stretch you you know to be able to sit I, th- I think for you to be able to sit now and look at not only did we accomplish this goal but look at the people you've brought into the family yeah. Look at the people now that are that are part of this drama shop family that have had experiences, and I can speak for myself, that have had experiences that go, yeah, I'm coming back, I'm going to do something else. Yeah, I'm going to do this again. Mm-hmm. This has been a phenomenal mm-hmm. experience, and I want I want this again. And I think that that is a testament to you, and I think that's a testament to, to your, your vision and what you're doing. And like I said, that does not come from picking safe shows. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and Pat, you know, I mean, what you just said is exactly what has been, you know, what Drama Shop has aspired to from the beginning, that if we put in the work and if we show people how seriously we take that process, that hopefully like-minded artists will come along and will enjoy that experience and and will keep coming back. And it's it's fun, but it's a different kind of fun. It's not light fluffy fun the fun fun of purpose the fun of drama shop for me anyway is is doing the work right it's getting your hands dirty it's it's trying things it's taking risks it's you know allowing yourself to fail and i will say there have been productions or scenes or moments where we have failed where we have not been you know where we haven't stuck the landing but um you know that's that's process that's why we do this mm-hmm. it's, yeah you think of it as work to begin with but then you suddenly find yourself kind of lost in it you're not you're not thinking like oh my god it's nine o'clock we have to go home like you're really enjoying it yeah and that's the best kind of work because then it doesn't become work at all you just you find joy in just putting more and more into it and you get more and more out of it all right one of the last things Favorite moment in the show? Oh, good lord. <laughs> oh, favorite one moment? Ah, uh, we could no. Oh, yes, no, one, one moment, moment. One moment. One moment. I need to think. I need to think about that. I have my moment. Go ahead. Um, halfway point when I pop another lemon head into my mouth. <laughs> Oh come on now! <laughs> I give myself like a like an award like when does that happen? Award um, before maps. Before maps. I okay. I, I pre unwrap. Page forty four. I don't. I couldn't. It's, it's no. I'm telling. No, he's telling. It's page forty-four. I don't think our score is page number. Oh, four. I don't know the score page. Yeah. In the script, it's page I am forty-four. I'm very conscious of the wrapper, so I unwrap it before the show, and I have it on my music stand. I'm like, good job, oh, you made it through halfway. That's great. Here's here's. I think it's like what the show is like. What hundred minutes, maybe roughly. Yeah, yeah So yeah, you made it fifty minutes. Here's your reward. That's and great. It, it All right. Not re- not for real though. That's I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump because I'm afraid someone's gonna take mine. Oh, okay. I had to jump in because I'm afraid someone's gonna take mine. There's a moment on stage where we are in a scene with Medium Allison and Father. Ah, yay! (laughs) Medium Allison and Father. And old Allison is is there, but not part of the scene. I love you're calling her old Allison. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, Julie. It took me a minute because I was like, wait, now I'm thinking of her as old Allison. And then until you said, it's like the old lady in Titanic. Oh, God, there's another one. Decrepit Allison. Does she have a necklace she throws on her shoulder? She's 43. Allison, yes, and 43 is stinking young. Anyway, Allison is on stage, but she's not part of the scene. Media and Allison and Father are going through the scene. And the father turns and says, are you ready for that car ride? 
and he steps forward and the audience realize he's not looking at medium Allison, but he's looking at the narrator, Allison. And medium Allison turns and walks off stage and Allison is left with her father realizing, oh, crap, this is me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that moment for me mm-hmm. is just so good and I get teary just thinking about mm-hmm. it. Okay. Yeah, yes. and that's so and that's in the script. I mean, yeah. it, we had to figure out how to do it, but but it calls for that in the script, and that's one of those moments where you read it and you're just like, oh, that just makes mm-hmm. so much sense. Yeah. And it's, I think, completely unexpected, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just... Can I have a couple? I, yeah. I, I have two as well. I, I have, have a couple, two. but I... Can you rank them? No, because they're them. they're each my children, yeah. and I love them both. <laughs> You're children. Um, you can so... <laughs> This, this sounds so self-congratulatory, but I, whatever. Whatever. I'm saying it anyway. Do it. Um, I love Edges of the World. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, Ken is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But that was another one where it was like, okay, do we just have him stand and sing? How do we stage this? And I, I don't know what exactly triggered this in my head, but I, I decided to kind of almost have this sort of chase, slow motion chase sequence um, he's describing this house in disrepair throughout the song. And and so I decided to block it in a way where he literally circles the entire stage, and, like literally all the way around, including around the pit. Um, and, and again, because I am thinking lights as I'm blocking, to have these kind of pools of light that, that pop up as he's moving, and then to have adult Allison in the kind of countering him in the exact mm-hmm. opposite corner of the stage at any given point so that she's kind of in pursuit. Um, for me, the show is her chasing those memories, right? And ultimately leading to that moment where she wants to, needs to face her father's death. And that's what that number is, is the moment leading into his death. And so, um, you know, I, I wanted to, to stage that in a way that gave it momentum, kept it moving forward, didn't just put place Ken downstage center in a special. Um, and I wasn't sure if it was going to work. And until we, you know, added lights, and even then it took a couple of rehearsals working with those two actors to make sure that they understood where that light was going to be coming up. And again, I play with shadow, so they don't necessarily always hit that light. But to me, that moment was just a really important moment that I find the right way to represent it visually mm-hmm. and to give it life and to give it momentum. And, and I'm really happy with how that looked. Others may hate it, but I love it. Um, so, yeah, that for me is definitely a, a favorite moment. Um, and then the other one, this is almost had nothing to do with with my direction at all, is um, changing my major. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Anna McJunkin comes out there every night as Medium Al and and gives a consistent performance, mm-hmm. but but finds nuanced things. And I don't know if it's conscious or subconscious, but just every night just kind of knocks it out of the she's park. She's the most genuine on that stage. Yeah. She's there's the just most a, genuine. There's a sincerity. And at that point, that character in particular, I think you need that connection more than you need it with anybody else on stage. It'll and be very easy to overplay that song. Right. To Especially, play. you can't. It's not, yeah. it's not written that way. Yeah. That's interesting. The, the first like time the audience laughed. 
Yeah. Oh, that. yeah. Because, I mean, that's obviously a very big difference for an actor who has been doing it to a silent room right. for the last right. however long. But it doesn't become shticky. No. It no. Become, it's the most yeah. genuine the whole way through. Um, you were saying you can't overplay it. You really can't because the song is written very quiet. Mm-hmm. To start, and then it builds momentum, and then she immediately pulls herself back down, mm-hmm. like 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 Media Mal has done all of her life. Like I, I I have a feeling I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna squash that feeling. And there's literal moments of like crescendo into forte into sforzando, then back down real quiet. Like at the end when she's saying things, the piano part is just written just so that it completely mirrors what she's feeling yeah. and thinking, and it was brilliantly written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the thing I was going to say is is this the scene in the song is about her first sexual experience with uh, another girl at college and it is I think an incredibly relatable scene for anyone who's had any awkward experience whether it's with someone of the same sex or not, mm-hmm. right? That like awkwardness of is something going to happen? Oh my God, something just happened. Did I just make a fool of myself? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This was the greatest thing that ever happened to me, but oh my God, what if it was the worst thing in the world for that other person? Like that, it, it is such a sincere and such a relatable and painful mm-hmm. and joyous and awkward it's moment. So and it's so uncomfortable and so fun to watch and so entertaining. And mm-hmm. Anna just, just sells Anna's it every night. And Anna's new to drama shop. She is. This is her first drama shop She's show. She's and she's perfect for the part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, any last? Well, hang on, hang on. I, I, have, I, I have to have it sincere. You have a sincere. I moment. do. Okay. I was just joking about the lemonhead. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> One is at the very end when all three Allisons are singing together, and and my favorite thing in music is a suspension, which is when two notes are right next to each other on the keyboard, and you you need resolution. Yeah. And they sing, and there's a suspension, and I never want that moment to end. And it's also just beautiful because they're all they're all walking in kind of like a figure eight with each other, and. It's like, they, they did it. The three of them did it. Like, I feel a sense of, like, accomplishment for them. Like, their story is complete. And That is my favorite light cue in the show. Oh, so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I do like that one. And then, of course, at, at the end of days, after Gretchen sings, Don't You Come Back Here. Mm-hmm. I didn't raise you to give away your days like me. It's like, yeah. oh, all, any mother that sacrificed anything. Like, yeah. <sighs> yeah. gone. And, and I have a quick one to add into. The other one that I really, really like, that I really, really like, is that we have a, there's a fight. There's a fight between um, Helen and, and uh, yeah. Bruce where they are the only ones on stage and they are right down front and they are screaming at each other, except Allison is there, the narrator is there, just happens to be standing in the middle of this fight. And you have these two actors standing on either side of Allison screaming and they obviously can't see her. And they're screaming at Allison and she's in the middle of it, which oh. I just think is just so poignant. It's just so perfect. And that was a happy accident, trial and error kind of thing, yeah. if you remember. I, I, she was initially at her drawing table and I, it felt like she she's was there too long. disconnected from this scene. Yeah. So I said, let's try it and see. And then I think at first then they were fighting on either side of the coffee table. And then we said, no, 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 no. You need to be like nose to nose like yeah. right against her. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's hard to watch. Yeah. But I love that moment. So I had to add a second one. So. And that's probably a moment that I would stage differently in a different venue. Mm. But I think in our venue sure. that works. Really You'd fly well. them, right? Yeah, they'd fly in. <laughs> be like, uh, you know when the, when the Simpsons, when they do off. streetcar? Yeah. And Marge is flying yes. around? Yes. be like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. streetcar. Thank you yeah. for And if the reference. rights for that ever become available, I've always you can bet on the kindness here. of strangers. <laughs> New Orleans. <laughs> I forgot, I do have one. Stella. Also. 
I was going to ask you, Nicole, what's your I, favorite moment? I think I have one. Well, I also find it difficult because the whole show really is incredible. Um, but it's also in the last song um, when the three of them are kind of figurating or walking around. And again, I'm playing through part of it, so I only kind of see some of it. But it's when Medium Allison, when they're all kind of circling, doing their own thing, walks behind and like looks yes. at the writing desk, the drawing desk. Yep. And like it's like she like sees her future and she's like, Chill about it, and yeah. it's like I lied. That's my I'm favorite moment. I'm stealing that. Hell, you stole our thunder. <laughs> and I like that. That's a, you know what? Share the thunder because it's such a good moment. And like, again, Nicole, that's another moment where initially she was in front of mm-hmm. the desk, and I thought, okay, let's have her touch it. But then it, it made more sense to just embrace that moment. Mm-hmm. Have her go behind the desk, and as soon as I gave her that, and then she kind of puts does, she both puts hands, hands on down. it and mm. and owns it, and you get a sense of okay, she's moving into that phase now. And she has this almost yeah. like almost non-clockable, just but it's there is this acceptance from her right. of like I earned this next phase of like what's about to start. Like I, I got, got here, right? Yeah. And I like you, and that. you can't make too big of a thing about no, it. It's no, not like she pick up the pen and start no, drawing. No, your right? blocking but. of it is as big as it needs to or should get because then she plays it enough. Like the look on her face is, is all enough, we need in that. You know, moment. is yeah. yeah. Awesome. I also love when they plant the tree because it, I'm literally right behind the tree. So I have to like tell myself like don't look up, don't look up at all for the next like thirty seconds because you're in the scene basically. <laughs> I just try to keep my head down because you know, like as as someone that likes to observe and watch the mm-hmm. show, I have to be careful. That I don't do it too much because if they're close to me, it yeah. looks like I'm just like some weird rando in the background. Kate, I mean this in the nicest way possible. <laughs> I forget you're there. Thank God. Good. Thank God. Because I there are times where I feel like I am like I'm nope. watching very seen. Yeah. Nope. Like so, if you can promise me that I'm not, I'm nope. gonna be way more comfortable the next five. Nope. Minutes. You guys, I've Which never seen any of you. Is, I blended. like looked at my watch and like I like picked up my music and I was like trying to be. Oh no. You, and the way that Zach is a lit. That's cool. Well, I'm glad to know that. That makes me like wonder because okay, the way that the show is set up is the pit is like towards the back, the back two thirds of the stage, and like I am in the front of the pit, and they're all kind of behind me just because I need to be. I feel like I need to be the most forward to hear the actors, and so the way to the way I cue people at times is literally with my head. And I mean the pit. I can't cue the actors because they're not even facing me. So like I'm, I'm, I'm actually now thinking, how do I look if I just like, like lean over Stevie Wonder style? Like, okay, you're in now. Well, like, we'll put a camera exclusively <laughs> on you, so you can play that back. Like later it must not look great. And the other time I it's think fine. about that is Raincoat of Love because they're all behind me at that point. Yeah, but you like, again, you guys really can't do cue just cue anybody blend right in. now. They're gonna see me like. Head Those twitch. costumes? <laughs> no way, man. Oh, no, yeah. I'm looking at the sparkles. <laughs> yeah, they're, the they're too busy staring at Michael Haas's chest. <laughs> no, I Who love is it. Your cues are very easy to follow, which I try to be subtle a lot. Uh, is there anything else you want to leave uh, on, on tape before we. Before About we my say life goodbye? or the show? In general. Oh, just... boy. Please don't. Oh, One time when I was in third grade. No, I got nothing. <laughs> um, no, just again, I mean, I, I, this has been a really great experience. And it's because we have all been lucky enough to be surrounded by like-minded artists who are willing to put in the work and who care about the material and who have each other's backs. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. you don't always see that in theater. And so, you know, if, if we if we get that then as far as i'm concerned we're doing something right it's a good place to leave it 
well, Fun Home we opened last weekend. Fun Home runs uh, June 14th, 15th, 21st, and 22nd at 8 p.m. We also have a 2 p.m. matinee on Sunday, June 23rd. And as of this recording, June 14th is sold out. So tickets are uh, still going Woo! quickly. Yes, thank you. Um, thank you, everybody who's been posting on Facebook and oh, Twitter. Yeah. And stuff. We yeah. see that. Reviews. And so this party. is amazing. Thank you so much to everybody who's been so supportive and so vocally supportive of, yes, of Drama Shop for this production and, and everything. So you can follow us on all the social medias at Drama Shop Erie, too. So uh, make sure you do that. Um, tickets for the rest of the run are available at dramashop.org. I am Nicole Lossi, and this has been Shop Talk. It's the Drama Shop Podcast. Bye.